0: Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Um, we're going to spend some time this evening uh, in, in God's Word. So if you'll pray with me, we'll hear what God has to say to us this evening. Lord, we are thankful for another day that wasn't promised to us. And Lord, as we come to your word, prepare our hearts uh, to receive your word, I pray. As Pastor Gregory said, give us ears to hear. And then Lord, by your spirit, I pray that you would move us to be more like Jesus today. That because of what you have to say to us today, the thing that people would most see in us would be your son. And so Holy Spirit, change us and mature us that we might be about your business and your will today. We love you, Jesus, and we ask these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Annie Johnson Flint wrote a poem that was quoted in a book entitled, Baker's Pocket Treasury of Religious Verse. And Annie Flint's poem reminds us of both the truths of scripture and the truths of our very lives today. Her her poem is entitled, "What What God Hath Promised. And it says this, God hath not promised skies always blue. Flowers strewn pathways all our lives through. God hath not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But God hath promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy, undying love. Annie Flint's poem reminds us That we're not promised a life that is always going to be joyful. That life won't always be problem-free. But in life, God has promised us strength for the challenges. He's promised that his love would guide us and that his love would assist us. And he's given us the wisdom of his word to remind us that he loves us and that he is concerned for us even in the difficult times. And it's in those difficult times where, if we're honest with ourselves, gratitude is fleeting. It's hard to find things to be thankful for when we're struggling and dealing with the trials of life. But David has some encouragement for us today. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Psalm 138. Psalm 138, where over the last few weeks, uh, we as a church body have decided to slow down and to to take our time and to, to be aware of the things that God is doing in our lives. We've decided to pay attention to where God is working so that we can have hearts that are thankful and attitudes of gratitude. And so over the last three weeks, we've been focused on Psalm 138, where David has shared his thoughts with us concerning gratitude towards God. In the first two verses of Psalm 138, David promised to praise God with his whole heart, with all that was within him. He promised that even before the false god, and by extension, those who worshiped them, that he would sing praises to God. He promised to bow down towards Jerusalem, towards God's holy temple when he would pray so that his face would be towards God. And he promised to give thanks to God's name for God's loving kindness, for God's hesit, for his favor that never ends and for his truth. After that, we we saw in verses 3 and 4 that David said, In the day that I cried out, you answered and David records that when he cried out in his struggle, God answered his prayer that day. David says that you made me bold with strength in my soul. And as a result, he shared what God had done with the other kings. And the results are found in verses 5 and 6. That these other kings, when they heard about what Yahweh had done in David's life, they gave thanks to God. And they sang praises to God. Because David chose to share what God had done in his life. And then David reminded us in verses 5 and 6 that God has regard for the lowly, that he has regard for those who are humble. But for those who are haughty, for those who are proud, God is, he is far off. And I think that's the message for us today. That when we humble ourselves, God answers. But if it's all about us, well, God's going to take a step back and let our pride bring about a fall. And so that brings us to the last two verses in Psalm 138 this evening. Verses 7 and 8 where David closes this psalm with two important truths. The first of which is this. God is always available even in the difficult times. Hit it again, Stuart. It should come up. God is always available, always, always available, even in the difficult times. Look at verse 7 with me in Psalm 138, where David says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. David is well aware that we live in a fallen world, much like Annie Johnson Flint's poem. He's aware that we deal with dilemmas and despair and disappointments and that they're always just around the corner. But when trouble shows up and life takes a left turn and we, be, we deal with depression and dissensions and divisions and our lives are turned upside down, God is always there. He is ever present and he is always available. And so there's reason there's a reason to be thankful. When life turns left look at what David says in verse 7 he says though I walk in the midst of trouble and the idea here is that life for David isn't always peaceful that he's moving from one problem to the next problem to the next problem it's in the imperfect tensor in the Hebrew and its idea of everywhere he turns there's an issue that he has to deal with but basically life stinks And trying to find that silver lining at times is very, very difficult. David suggests to us that life is, for him, is one struggle after another. You ever been there? You get finished with one issue and you think, okay, I I can breathe. And then something else happens with the car and the car breaks down. And you got to deal with that and you get that fixed and then something else happens. One of the kids kind of loses their mind and goes crazy and you got to deal with that and your wife doesn't do what you've told her to do. And it's just kind of like, Lord, what is happening? Amen. (laughs) This is what David is dealing with. He says that trouble is like a revolving door in and out, in and out, each and every day, each and every week. And he says, though I live, though I walk in the midst of trouble. Here's something interesting. This word trouble is the Hebrew word sarah. And it means to be in distress. Uh, It's it's, it's one who vexes. uh, It means a rival wife or to be in, in straits, as in dire straits. It's a state of unfavorable circumstances with a focus on emotional pain and distress. David might put it this way, I've had it up to here. And I'm frustrated, and I'm, I'm irritated, and I'm exacerbated. And I'm just, I'm kind of done with life. But I think the reason David uses this word Sarai is because he's thinking about something that may have happened a little earlier in the scripture. See, so in 1 in, in Samuel, we're introduced in, verse, in chapter 1 to a man named uh, Elkanah. And he has two wives. One wife's name is Peniah, the other wife's name is Hannah. And in Hebrew culture, one of the highest tributes you could give to your husband is to bear children for him. It was vitally important in Hebrew culture. Well, Peniah had children. Hannah didn't have any children. And the text tells us in, in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, but it records this, that when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Paniah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. And then, and then the text says this, but the Lord had closed her, room, her womb, and her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb now imagine that your Hannah and the other wife is irritating you each and every day because I have children and you don't imagine how that how she feels day in and day out you know when I was a kid we said things like nana nana boo boo when we had something somebody else didn't to make fun and so imagine how Hannah feels, not having children, but having to hear from Penina each and every day. Imagine the frustration and just the irritation of life with being barren. This is how David feels each and every day as he lives and walks in this trouble. He's frustrated. And he's emotionally just kind of drained because of what he's having to deal with each and every day. And it's times like these where we have a difficult time finding that silver lining. We have a hard time finding things to be grateful for. Because at times life just, well, it stinks. Amen? Sometimes that's how we feel, one thing after another. And I'm willing to bet that there are some in this room and at home who are going through this very thing. You are sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're frustrated because there's just no relief in sight. You're tired of spinning your wheels. trying to to get to the next step and you're you're not moving, you keep going backwards. And the last thing you can see as you examine your life is something to be grateful for. That's when David reminds us in the text. He says, though I walk in the midst of trouble. Look at the rest of verse 7. You will revive me you will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. David says that you will revive me, O oh Lord. To revive, is, it's idea of to live, to, to be well, to flourish. David says that, Lord, in the midst of trouble, I can flourish and do well with that sickness, to do well with that cancer, that I can live in the midst of divorce that I can give you thanks in the midst of bankruptcy. Because you will revive me and that you will cause me to flourish, David says. Not only that, look at what else he says. And he says, You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies. You might put it this way Lord, you fight this battle for me. I'm reminded of, you remember the account in Exodus chapter 14 when Israel had left Egypt, and they were headed toward the Red Sea. Anybody ever seen Ten Commandments around Christmas time every year? Had, yeah, then you know the account. And as Israel is heading towards the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army is right on their heels. And they're not sure what to do. They've got the Red Sea in front of them. They've got the, the army behind them. And they're wondering, Moses, did you bring us out here to die? And Moses tells them, just, just y'all, y'all chill out. That's a 21st century interpretation. And watch, watch the salvation of the Lord. And Moses prays and God says, why are you praying? Tell the people to go forward. And then you raise your hands and the sea will split. And Moses did just that. And the Red Sea split, the, the scripture says. And Israel went forth on dry land. But in the meantime, God sent the cloud that was leading them behind them to keep Pharaoh's army at bay while everybody crossed in safety. David says that God will stretch forth his hand against the wrath of my enemies. God will fight your battles. He will protect us in the difficult times. Amen. So when life is falling down around us, God may not remove you from that situation. But he will give you protection in the situation. And then he says this, that your right hand will will save me. Look at what David says. Your, Your right hand will save me. In the Hebrew culture, the right hand is figurative language used to describe what is just or what is righteous. But it also describes a place of strength, a place of favor, a place of fortune, a place of honor and blessing, a place of God's ultimate power and authority. And David says that, Lord, your your justice and your righteousness will save me from my situation. And the one who is the expression of God's right hand is working in our lives even today. And if you don't know, his name is Jesus. And he is at work in our lives. Even now. Even in the midst of the frustration and the trials and the storms, the sickness and the relationships that are broken. He is working in our lives. And you know what? God uses trouble to make us more like his son, to get us to to pray more, to seek his will more, to get into his word to find encouragement, to trust him more so that we might look like Jesus, totally dependent on the Father for what we need. And to know that God will cause us to flourish in the midst of trouble, that he will keep the wrath of our enemies at bay and save us, should give us some reason to find some gratitude to say thank you. Because God is at work in our lives. Now, if you're still struggling and you're just not convinced by me, listen to the scripture. In Psalm 46, verse 1, the psalmist says this, uh, for the choir director, Psalm of the sons of Korah set to Alamoth a song. Look at what he says. God is our refuge and strength. A what? A very present help in trouble. You know what a refuge is? It's a place of safety. It's a place of peace. And the psalmist says that God is our refuge and our strength. He is very present. He's a present help in times of trouble. Psalm 62, verse 8, the psalmist says this. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And I think the idea is this. When we find ourselves struggling with life, run to God. He's a safe harbor. Psalm 23, verse 4. David says this, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod, not me, that's God's rod. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, Verses 6 and 7. He says this to the churches today. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's what will happen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You don't, don't see a way out? Frustrated with life? pray and tell God what's got you frustrated you know what he's big enough he can handle it I can recall living in Texas early 2000s after moving away from here and being frustrated starting a new job and just wanting to be back here and I had some real conversations with God about how I felt about him moving us back to Texas And you know what? He was big enough to handle what I had to say because I poured my heart out. And 22 months later, he was faithful to bring us back. So in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let God know what you're dealing with. He knows, but tell him anyway. And he promises that he will give you his peace, the peace that will keep you calm when life is just falling down around you. And people will, will want to know, how can you be so at ease when X, Y, and Z are happening? Well, God's peace, Paul says, will guard your hearts and your minds. Now, it's not this muscle pumping blood throughout our bodies, the heart. But in, he- in Hebrew culture, the heart was, was, was the seat of the bowels. It's, it's, it's where your, your will and your thoughts or your emotions come, came from. He says God's peace will guard that and your mind. The things that we think about, the things that run away with us when we start thinking about our problems too hard. He says that God's peace will guard that in Christ Jesus. And so if you're struggling today with life, with issues, with problems, give it over to God. Have a little talk with Jesus we used to sing in church. Remember that? and he'll make it right in his time, but he'll make it right. The second truth that David gives us as he closes this section is simply this. God is at work in us through the difficult times. God is at work in us through the difficult times. Look at verse 8 with me in Psalm 138, where David says this. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me the Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Look closely at the scripture. You see the, the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in the scripture? That tells us that in the Hebrew it's the it's it's the it's God's personal name. It's Yahweh. It's the Y H W H. No vowels, all consonants, not quite sure how to pronounce it. But this is God's personal name. When when, when Moses asked the Lord at the burning bush, who do I need to tell Israel is sending me? He says, tell them that I am. That's Yahweh has sent me. Here's the interesting thing. Yahweh is the name of God that identifies his personal relationship with his people. It's connected to God's power and work on behalf of his people to deliver them. And so David, David cries out and says, Lord, Yahweh will accomplish what concerns me because we have a personal relationship, God. Because you, you care about me. You will accomplish what concerns me. Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 he says for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in me will do what will perfect it will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus David says Lord because we have a personal relationship And because you're working in my life, I'm counting on you to complete your will in me. Whatever that might be. And then he says this, I love this. He says, your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. David reminds God of his chesed, of his loving kindness. And God already knows who he is. But David oftentimes will remind God. And he says, Lord, Your loving kindness, remember that your strength, your mercy, your your loyalty to me, your faithfulness, your grace, your kindness is everlasting. Don't forget that, Lord, while you're thinking about me. God's loving kindness for his people is everlasting. Everlasting. His mercy and grace towards his people never ends. You know how I know? Because he gave the best gift he could ever give for us. And that's his son, Jesus. And so David closes with this, and he gives the Lord another reminder. This is his prayer as he closes. He says simply this, do not forsake the work of your hands. Now, David knows that God isn't finished with him. But he reminds the Lord, don't forsake the work of your hands. It's simply an expression of his heart. Lord, I don't see a way out. And I know that you're still working in my life. Don't stop now. Does that make sense? And so I don't know what you're dealing with today. I don't know what you're going through. What throes of life you might find yourself in. But understand that God is working through those troubles to make you more like Jesus and to get us to depend on Him for everything that we need. He's working it out. And that ought to be reason enough for us to give God thanks and praise. Two observations and then we'll close. Number one, sometimes life can be difficult, but God can cause us to flourish in the difficulty. He can cause us to have a life that is abundant in the struggle. Secondly, God is always for us. And he will use the trials and the difficulties to make us like Jesus. Because in my own life, when an issue would come up, I would get my legal pad and a pen, go sit at my desk or the table, and start to figure out how oh, am I going to get out of this one. And that's just that engineering mind in my head. It says, okay, let's see step one, what I need to do. And I would write out a plan. God wasn't my first flinch. But after going through life and watching God deliver me and save me, situation after situation, my first flinch now is to get on my knees and to go to the Lord. Put Put the paper and pen aside. Lord, I need you. To deliver me to help me get through this and God will work through those troubling times to make us more like Jesus don't forget the words of David that we read earlier the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are open to their cry the face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So as you leave today, Be mindful of where God is working, even in the struggle, even in these issues of life that we have to deal with. And in the midst of problems and trouble, give him praise and thanksgiving, knowing that he is working things out for our good. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for David and for what he wrote to us to remind us that we can be thankful in all situations. And while, Lord, we may not be thankful for the situation, we can be thankful in it, knowing that you are maturing us and making us more like Jesus, knowing that you can and often do and will deliver us from the troubles that we face. But Lord, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the struggle, help us to trust you. Help us, like the Israelites, to just step out in faith and to trust you. Lord Jesus, we love you. And may we begin today to trust you more and to demonstrate to the world that you are alive forevermore. Like David, help us to be witnesses of the good things that you have done in our own lives so, so that those who hear might sing your praises. We love you, Jesus, and we ask these things in your name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.